Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to a kind of misty and, yeah, <laughs> cloudy morning. But welcome to FCC. Could you please stand and worship along with us? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lead on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When Leviticus, excuse me, 11.45 says, For I am the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt to be your God, and you are to be holy because I am holy. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the many blessings we have this morning. We're thankful for the opportunity to come together. And Lord, we're thankful that the weather we have is not constant here. <laughs> Lord, we're blessed, and we thank you for all the blessings we have in you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. You braved the horrible weather today. I'm proud of you. I couldn't even see the stoplights until I got up on it. It was really weird. But you know what? It'll burn off. We are glad that you're here at First Christian Church this morning. Please make sure you fill out your connection card. And if you are watching us online, we ask you to do the same thing. At this time, before we continue singing, we'll give you a, three minutes to go around and say hello to somebody. And we got some latecomers in, so we're glad to have you all here too. something to get going. 
Thank you. 
I left home early enough so that uh, Donna and I could go through this and make sure it was halfway decent this morning, but it took me a little bit longer to drive down here than I thought for. <laughs> In fact, if I would have known how bad it was, I may not even have come. Uh, so this is my practice run, okay? <laughs> and Jeff, I'm thinking of moving to Arizona. I understand they've got good weather out there. <laughs> Oh, my. Well, this is Valentine's weekend, I say, and uh, there's love out there. There's so many scriptures that tells us how much God loves me, God loves you. Sometimes we forget that, but there's many scriptures. One of my favorites that I'd like to quote to you is, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And I'll sing of that love, the things that God did for each of us. Oh, 
Jesus when. Beat that. I try not to drop everything I have in my hands here. Well, we're in week five of Core 52, and we're in this series called Core 52. It's where we're looking at 52 passages of Scripture that will give us the highest return on investment. Uh, Sometimes you read passages like right now I've been reading through Leviticus. Let me tell you something, that's painful. (laughs) It's been very painful. I'm like, oh, wow. But uh, other passages you read, you know, like a John 3.16, and you're like, man, that thing is just rich. And so through Core 52, we've been looking at 52 passages, we will be, I should say, as we're in week five, that really give us our bang for our buck. In the first four weeks of our series, we were looking, we were in a series called Beginnings. And in those first four weeks, we examined the fact that the beginning, excuse me, we examined the beginning of the world and the beginning of humanity. We saw that God created the heavens and earth, that God was the creator. It didn't just show up by accident. Uh, it didn't just all of a sudden blow up without any help. God created. In week two, we saw that God created humans in his image. And the image of God is hardwired into everyone because we are in his image. Then we looked at how things got messed up in the fall. And then Jerry shared with you the first steps that God took to help get things right through his covenant with Abraham so that God could have that fellowship that he desires with us. A covenant is an agreement based on a promise. And God made a promise. And many times to the nation of Israel, God had to be shaking his head and say, why did I do that? <laughs> because they were pretty rough. But God made a covenant with Abraham with one person so that one day he could bless every nation. Now, over the next four weeks, we're going to move to another series within Core 52. And as we look at this series, there we go set apart. We all want to feel special, don't we? I think pretty much everyone does. We don't want to go through life thinking we're just nothing, that we don't matter, that no one cares. We love being chosen. We need to feel valued. In our second series, we're going to explore what God looks for in people that he chooses and how you can be a part of that inner circle. The biographies of Moses, Saul, and David offer strategic insights to what we can do to have our best life in Christ. Our message today will cover one of the, I think, one of the most misunderstood uh, subjects that we deal with in our faith, and that is the subject of holiness. You may have been called holier than thou, or heard the 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 phrase, "Well, you're just you think you're you're holier than thou." In other words, people look at it as a real negative. And in the church, sometimes we try to avoid this word holy because we don't want to be pegged as somebody who's haughty and arrogant, thinking, well, look at me. I'm, I'm much better than you are. But that's not what it comes to. Today, as we cover holiness, I hope we can clear up some misconceptions regarding the subject and that we can embrace what God has called us to be. <clears throat> Today, our, we're going to be in our memory verse for week five, Leviticus 11.45 For I am the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt to be your God, and you are to be holy because I am holy. So the first observation we're going to make this morning is simply this. What does it mean to be holy? 
When you hear this word, what thoughts or images come to mind? Are they pleasant and positive, or are they negative? When you think about somebody being holy, what comes to your mind? Do you think that someone who believes they are perfect or they're possibly haughty and arrogant? Because that person, just, they just think they're so holy. Look at them. Do you picture a person who thinks they're better than you? I know the world does. I've heard that a whole lot in my life. I've told you this before. When I was at Leonard, I had a guy come to me and tell me, well, those people think they're something, but I'm better than all of those people. I don't even go to church. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You are. But are you better than Jesus? See, a lot of times this comes out like this. You Christians just think you're better than everyone else. Being holy has nothing to do with arrogance, and it has nothing to do with thinking you're better than everyone else. The word, be, the, the, the word holy is a very simple word. It means to be set apart for a specific purpose. That's simple, isn't it? It's not complicated. So something that's holy is something that's set apart. Now, when you go through your devotional this week, Mark Moore is going to talk about an example from everyday life. See, we take everyday objects and we make them holy. How do we do that? We set them apart for special service. Now, this isn't the one that I use. Toothbrush is a good example. It's an ordinary toothbrush. It has dozens upon dozens of potential uses. You can use it to clean your grout. You can take your spouse's and use it to clean the toilet. <laughs> you can clean the floors with it if you were in the military. Maybe some of you had, were, you had to clean a floor with a toothbrush. Um, you can apply hair dye with it. You can, you can use them to clean the back in the day when we had, I got raised white letter tires because I'm old school. I could clean my raised whites on my truck with this. There, you can reach all kinds of hard-to-reach spots. There's a lot of things you can do with this. But my toothbrush is holy because I set it apart for a special service. For me and me alone. My toothbrush is holy to me. I don't want my toothbrush used for any other purpose than for brushing my pearly whites. My teeth. No one else's. Not only that, not only do I want, not want anyone else to use my toothbrush, it is one of the few things that I selflessly protect in life. Well, my toothbrush is messed up. Well, you're going to have to go buy one. This one's mine. I also don't want to catch my wife using my toothbrush to clean the toilet. <laughs> I don't want her cleaning her rings with it. I don't want her scrubbing the grout with it. I don't want her scrubbing the sink with it. I do not even want her to use it on her teeth. Now, I will kiss my wife all day long and have a good time doing it. So it's not a germ thing. It's just that this is, this, not this one, but my toothbrush at home, my toothbrush at is my toothbrush. It's used for my teeth. It is holy, and I bow down to that toothbrush because I don't want it to use for anything else. You know, many items were considered holy in the tabernacle and later the temple. They were ordinary items. There was nothing special about them in themselves except for the fact they were set apart for special service in those areas. They were ordinary. Outside the tabernacle, outside the temple, those objects were just ordinary. But by virtue of the fact that they were used for what they were used for, 
they were holy. When God tells us we are holy, it's because he has set us aside for serving him. Leviticus 11.45 teaches us that to be holy means to reflect the character of God in our lives, living in a way that is set apart, that is pure, that is dedicated to him in all aspects of our being. I want my toothbrush dedicated to me. I don't want it to be used for any other purpose because once I see this thing hit the toilet or a ring or even my wife's mouth or my kids' mouths, it's no longer holy. It's been defiled. And I don't want that to happen to my toothbrush. I want this toothbrush to fulfill its purpose until it's no longer of use. In our passage, God reminds the people who he is. I am God. He says, here's what I've done. I brought you out of Egypt. And then he tells them why he brought them out of Egypt, to be their God. And so he lays all this out in Leviticus 11.45. Now we'll hit a little bit more on some of this a little bit later in the message. But we have all kinds of objects set aside for special service in our homes. Holiness has nothing to do with someone thinking they're better than others. Holiness is all about knowing that God has a plan for you and you striving to fulfill that. You striving to, 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 re, to fulfill that calling. So when God says, be holy because I'm holy, if you're going to be holy, you're set apart, and we'll get into the logistics of that in a moment. Let's look at our passage again. Leviticus 11.45. Heck, by the time the sermon's done, you'll have this memorized, so your memory stuff will be easy this week. For I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God, and you are to be holy because I am holy. So, the question then is, how does one become holy? Well, do you declare yourself holy and do holy things? I am holy. I'm without Christ, but I am holy. And look, I'm doing holy things. I pray sometimes. I come to church occasionally when it's convenient. I, uh, I may even give a dollar here or there. I do holy things. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I, I don't cuss. I don't do this. I don't do that. So therefore, I am holy. That's really not how it works. One becomes holy. How, do, how does that happen? Because God sets them apart. Something isn't set apart because it's holy. It is holy because it's set apart. My toothbrush at home is nothing special. As a matter of fact, I go to Amazon and I have an electric toothbrush and I buy heads for it. Um, I, I buy the cheapest, softest ones I can find. For a while, I was using one too hard, and I started getting heat sensitivity in my, to- in my tooth. I thought, oh, no, another root canal, but hopefully not. But the toothbrush heads that I buy are inexpensive because if you buy the Philips ones, they, they will rob you, man. So I try to find the generic ones. They work great. So there's nothing. It's not like it's like, okay, I'm going to go somewhere and say, give me the most expensive toothbrush heads you've got. I can't pay enough money for it. No, my toothbrushes are special. The heads are special because I picked them. I declared them for my teeth. Now, I might have some older ones that I don't like, and I would say, hey, use these for whatever you want. They're no longer holy. But the ones that I buy for my teeth are special, even though they're inexpensive. They didn't become holy until I chose them. I didn't pick them because they were already special. They became special when I pulled it out of the box and said, you're going to be used for my teeth. 
And if my wife wants one, I'm like, here, you can have this for your teeth, and it's holy to you, and I won't clean the toilet or anything else with it because I love you. God's plan expanded from one person to one nation. God chose one man so he could choose one family. And then he chose one family so he could choose one nation. And he chose one nation so that one day he could choose you. Now, way down into our core 52, we're going to talk about predestination because there's a lot, the, the, the Calvinists have really butchered that up. So when he talks about choosing you, he didn't say, I chose you, I didn't choose you, I didn't choose you. You're chosen through Christ. Whoever accepts Christ is chosen, just to get that out of the way. But you start with God's covenant with Abraham. And then Abraham had sons, Isaac. And then Isaac had Jacob. And then Jacob had 12 sons who became the patriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel. And when you look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, any of the patriarchs of the Old Testament, how many of them were perfect? Even Joseph was a brat. I can see why his brothers threw him in a well and why they wanted to whack him. That guy was a brat, strutting around in this coat of many colors, like, look, Dad loves me more than you. You know, you're going to bow down to me one day. My little brother did that when I was a guy. I smacked him upside the head until he, and he'd, he'd, he'd wake up two days later. I said, you don't do that stuff. So Joseph was a brat, as good as he was. None of these people were perfect. How many of these patriarchs earned the right to be chosen by God? None of them. None of them. The nation of Israel. Was it so holy that God says, oh, man. Oh, you guys have just got it to get. You are so holy. I'm going to choose you. No. When you look at their history, you can tell they weren't holy beforehand. God chose the nation of Israel in spite of who they were. It said, I'm going to set you aside for special service. He didn't say, you know, you guys are the best nation out there. They were just as rough and corrupt as the rest of them. But he says, I'm choosing you for something special. And because he did that, that didn't, mean, that didn't mean he didn't love the other nations. He just chose Israel. Because he chose them, he calls them to be better than the other nations. He set them aside for a special purpose. They became holy when God said they were special. It is the nation that God chose. God chose them to be his people because he wanted to have a special relationship with them. I have a very special relationship with my toothbrush at home. Every morning and every night, we spend time together. And I don't cheat on my toothbrush. I don't grab everybody else's toothbrush. I use my toothbrush because I have chosen it. I would be very upset if my toothbrush decided it wanted to do other things because that would, not, that would be no longer be holy. I want my toothbrush to have a special relationship with me and not with anything else or anyone else. I'm a jealous toothbrush owner. I set it aside for a special purpose. God took Israel and set them aside for a very special purpose. So why did God go to the trouble to have a chosen people? What was the point of all this? And what does it have to do with you? Because God chooses you to be holy when you're in Christ. God sees you as so special, and he sees everyone as so special. He wants everyone, the Bible tells us, he desires all to be saved. If the Calvinists are right, that's a lie. He desires all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants everyone to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, not all will. 
but Jesus went to the cross. God loved you so much that if you were the only person on earth that sinned, God would have sent his son to die for you because God wants to have a relationship with you. It's not just about saying, hey, you're holy, whatever. It's about, hey, I, because you're created in his image, God wants that image restored. And that image is restored through Jesus. This is how come, as we're going through Core 52, these things build on one another. And as you, if you don't understand Genesis 1-1 and Genesis and the other, and what Genesis 1-26, and you don't understand Genesis 3-1, uh, uh, oh, sorry, what? 3-6, my memory is horrible anymore. <laughs> if you don't understand those core principles, then why Jesus went to the cross doesn't make sense. But when you start to understand these core thoughts, these core verses, now things are like, oh, I get it. I get it. God sees you as special. His son died on the cross for you. This God, the creator of all things, knows you. And even though he knows you, I've always said you'd really, you'd really like me until you got to know me. But see, God really knows you and he still loves you. He sees you as someone special. I think everybody wants to feel special. <clears throat> You know, those of us who have been fathers who raised our daughters, you've made a big mistake if you didn't make your daughter feel special. She's going to be messed up for the rest of her life if you didn't make her special as a father. That is your job as you raise her to make her feel special, to know she's something special. Because if she doesn't get it from you, she's going to get it from some guy, and she's going to give up stuff to get it from that guy. And we, we need to understand that. Anyone who's been picked last for anything knows how deep the pain is of being unwanted. You know, some of you probably weren't the most athletic in school. Won't mention any names. Now, if it was an academic thing, you'd be picked first. So, But, you know, at that point, who cares about that? But have you ever been standing there in line, excuse me, and for a game? Used to, we used to play kickball. Um, and you get, you get to choose sides. You have the captains and you choose sides. And you, you know, you're hoping to be picked quickly because you want, to be, you want people to think, yeah, this guy's good at kickball. But then as each draft, go, draft pick happens, you're still sitting there. You're still, every once in a while, you'll see the NFL draft where they're at somebody's house and they're expecting this kid to be picked in the first round. This happened to Aaron Rodgers, by the way. He's a little different, but it happened to him. It's happened to other ones. And the cameras are there, and then they go through the first round and they're not picked. And you can just see they were expecting to be a high draft pick, but every team passed on them in the first round. Tom Brady, I think, went in the sixth round. Um, Brock Purdy was the last player picked in the NFL. They're called Mr. Irrelevant. And look, he's going to the Super Bowl to get beat tonight by the Chiefs. But anyway, um, and we hope you come and watch it with us. But the thing is, the last player picked, and he can't shake that right now. Everybody, well, he's just, I remember Cam Newton, who used to play quarterback, made a comment, he said, well, he's just a game manager, and then Purdy shot back, well, you know, there's X amount of quarterbacks in the league, and I don't think Cam Newton's one of them. It was an awesome shoot back. But anyway, um, the fact is, not being chosen, and by the way, for Brady, when he was at the end of his career, San Francisco wanted him, and they passed on him, and he, and he said, no way. He was so he used it to drive him. He was so angry that San Francisco didn't pick him. There was no way on earth he's ever going to play for him. And, and I thought that was interesting. Matter of fact, they told Purdy, if we bring him in, you're going to be on the bench. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Ed. But anyway, if you've never been picked last, you have no idea 
what it feels like if you've always been one of the first one picked. You know, when I was in school, athletically, I was pretty good. I wasn't a stud athlete, but I was a good athlete. And many times when those things were happening, I wasn't picked early because I wasn't on the in crowd with these people. Man, that drove me. So when I played sports, I played hard, and I, I played to hurt you because I didn't, I'm, I was angry. I played angry a lot. Huh. Some of us go through life dreaming what it'd be like to hear for the very first time, I want you. I'm picking you first. I want you on my team. I want Robin on my baseball team. <laughs> uh, yeah. There was something special about being chosen. When I was in high school, and I suspect when you guys were too, because this girl must be really old now, Sadie Hawkins dance. Did you guys have Sadie Hawkins dances in school? Oh, let me tell you something. When I was in high school, and I know most of you all, or it's changed a little bit, it used to be the guy would ask the girl out. The guy would ask the girl to dance. The pressure was on the guy to do all the asking. Man, I'll tell you what, ladies, that's a lot of pressure. You've been, you've been rejected about a bajillion times. It's really hard to ask that next one, but I'm like, you know what? I'm, 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 I, went, I swing for the fences with this young lady. But the thing is, it was hard for some of us to ask people out because of the rejection. Now, there was one acceptable time for the dating rule. There was, a, there was an exception to that rose, Sadie Hawkins. This is where the girls had to ask the guys. Let them feel what it feels, let them know what it feels like to be rejected. Well, whoever the Sadie Hawkins girl is, if I ever meet her, I got a few choice words for her. I don't like her. I know Blaine had just had their Sadie Hawkins this weekend. Well, of all the years that I could go, I never got asked. <laughs> Except I never got asked. So I knew what it felt like to be rejected. And the one time I did get asked to go, I got in trouble so my dad wouldn't let me go. <laughs> and when the Sadie Hawkins thing was announced, every, and, and, and look, I always, I always reached out of my league. You know, I'm like in single A, low A ball. I'm, I'm going for major leaguers. I did that with her. And so when the pretty girls would walk down the hall, I'm thinking, yes, he's going to ask me. And then I'm like, woo, look at that. But anyway, um, and then the next one, she's going to ask me. And after a while, I'm like, okay, that decent-looking girl, she's going to ask me. Okay, that girl that really doesn't look good, but she's got a good personality, she's going to ask me. And then it's like, okay, if you're a female, just if you ask, I'm in. <laughs> It was rough. And so I hate Sadie Hawkins, by the way. God doesn't love her either. But anyway. <laughs> but see, we become holy because God chose us to be holy in Christ. Let's look at our passage one more time. For I am the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt to be your God. You are to be holy because I am holy. So that leads to our last observation, maybe, yeah. Why one needs to be holy. From the passage, we see that God, as I said before, tells us who he is, he tells us what he's done, and he tells us why he did it. Now he tells us what he expects from those who he set aside. It started with the nation of Israel. They were to be a holy nation, 
And then it spilled over through the fulfillment through those who were in Christ. First Peter, he quotes this passage, for it is written, he's writing this to Christians, you should be holy because I am holy, speaking of God. God says we are to be holy because he is. Now, if I didn't understand Genesis 1.1, Genesis 1.26, I wouldn't know, and I didn't know the foundational truth that God created all things and that humans were created in his image, and that Genesis 3.6 shows us that that image was marred by sin. If I didn't understand that, I wouldn't understand why this being chosen is so important. So many things that God asks from us goes back to being holy. We are to conduct ourselves as citizens of heaven. We are to live our lives in such a way that it reflects the one who's called us. Verse 45 reminds us of the redemptive work in bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. He's like, I redeemed you guys. I brought you out of Egypt. This serves as a powerful reminder that holiness is not merely a set of rules to follow, but a response to God's saving grace. So God says, I want you to be holy because I'm holy, but here's why I've earned this from you. See, he didn't give them a ton of rules right there. He didn't say, well, here's 7,000 rules so you can be holy. He says, no, you're going to be holy because I'm holy. And I redeemed you. We are called to be holy because he is holy and because of who he is and what he's done. God's call to be holy is not arbitrarily rooted in anything other than his nature. It's not based on a rule. It's based on his nature. We are called to emulate his purity, his righteousness, and his love in our daily lives. As his family, we are to mirror the character that brings honor to his name through our words, through our actions, and through our attitudes. God does not bully people. God does not mouth off to people while he lurks in the shadows. God loves people. God does not seek to destroy people in his family. He does not seek to pick them apart. He does not seek to publicly humiliate them. He loves them. Being a Christian is not a game. And it's not just a name to wear. It's a life to live. Galatians 2.20 tells us what that life should look like. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So the life that I now live in the, in the body, I live because of the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Right there, Paul says, this is why we do what we do. Folks, this is the life we're called to live. We can't make our lives, we have to stop making our lives about us. And we have to make them about Jesus. The nation of Israel was called to be a witness to the world. In their pride and their arrogance, they lost that. Christians are called to be ambassadors for Christ. The pursuit of holiness is not just for our own benefit, but it's the benefit for everyone else around us. By striving to be like Jesus, we provide a powerful testimony to those around us. On the flip side, when we call ourselves by the name of Jesus and we cheat people, we slander people, we gossip about people, we also send out a powerful testimony. And sadly, it's not a good one. Holiness is not about external behavior but it's about cultivating a deep, intimate relationship with God. It's about getting to know him, and then our behavior will be based on knowing him and loving him. 
not just in not ju- our behavior doesn't become about fooling people into getting them to think that we are what we're not see the nation of israel they did a great job of the external things jesus hammered them about this particularly the pharisees and he says that's not what god's looking for he's looking for those things but he wants those things done because of who you who he is in your life because of that relationship you have with him and if we're doing what we do for any other reason than that relationship we're missing the boat if i'm trying to impress other people i miss the boat jesus said this many times to the pharisees you guys are doing everything to be shown good job but god doesn't care behavior is important yes but the reason behind the behavior is what's so important it should be because we love jesus god chose us and he wants us to reflect that choosing just like my toothbrush i chose my toothbrush i don't want my toothbrush cheating on me by chasing other teeth or toilets or grout or anything and i don't want it to be used for any other purpose i want it to reflect what it's been called to do to brush my teeth and god has called you to reflect him he doesn't want you doing anything else that doesn't reflect him holiness is not some mystical thing it's actually very simple god has chosen you chosen you in in christ and when you willfully accept that blessing part of that obligation is to reflect the image of the god that we serve the god who loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross being a christian is not a game it's a life are you ready to quit playing the game start living the life because that's the call this morning our praise team is going to come up and lead us in a song of decision and if you've not yet accepted jesus christ as your lord and savior we give you that opportunity to do so today you got a god in heaven who loves you he loves you so much that his son went to the cross for you and we're going to give you that opportunity to accept him as your lord and savior this morning If you're an immersed believer and would like to make First Christian your home, we'd love to have you come forward this morning. If you're struggling and need prayer, we'd love to have you come forward and we'd be glad to pray with you. But as our praise team comes up to lead us in our hymn of decision, we're going to stand together and we're going to sing this song together. And if you have a decision, we invite you to come forward. to my feet and alive. 
At this time, Buck and Irene White come forward as immersed believers, and they would like to uh, make First Christian Church their home church. And at this time, you guys, would, if you'll please stand, you can finish those when we're done. I should have gave them both a clipboard, and stupid me, I just gave them one. But I asked Buck and Irene, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Yes, we do. Amen. I'm basing your all's confession of faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you're immersed into Christ. We want to welcome you to First Christian. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to have you all.
has said, I love you to us through the years since the very beginning in one way or another. He hasn't kept it a secret. He hasn't been quiet on the matter. He hasn't kept us wondering. He shouts it out every day that we live. I love you. In the Garden of Eden, he said, I love you. Through the years with the patriarchs like Abraham, Jacob, and Esau, he said, I love you. During the time in Egyptian slavery, he kept telling the Israelites, I love you. Through Moses during the years in the wilderness, he repeatedly said, I love you. Again and again and again, the prophets of the Old Testament gave the message that God loves us. Then, in due time, he sent Jesus as the baby in Bethlehem to shout it as never before, I love you. Jesus' message during the time that he was here on the earth uh, preaching his gospel, his message was one of God's love for us. And then the ultimate message of love was given to us as Jesus went to the cross, suffered and died, took upon himself the sins of mankind, proving God's love for us. As John writes, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners Christ died for us. God is love. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. The master of the skies heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. Here in communion, God shouts it one more time. I love you. I love you. You partake of the emblems of love. Tell him one more time. God, my loving Heavenly Father, Jesus, my loving Savior, I love you. Pause right now. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Tell him. I love you.
Father in heaven, that's why we're here, because we love you. We're also here because you love us. You've shouted it through the years, and you continue to shout it every day. We love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. many announcements for this week um, we will not have any activities at the church this evening other than the Super Bowl party and our soup chili cook-off um, we start at four o'clock kickoffs at 430 for those who want to watch the game we invite you to bring your favorite soup and chili and we have a, a prize for that whoever wins also you can bring uh, board games and also bring other like chips and dips and all kinds of stuff that you would normally eat when you watch a game or while you're playing board games so we're going to do that this year. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, we do not have an elder preacher meeting today because of this. Um, we have a leadership meeting Tuesday. Jules Group is meeting on Tuesday. We have all of our Bible studies this week. Prime time is going to be at Mandalay this week on Friday, so please let us know by Tuesday if you would be able to do that. Um, to become, we would love to do that. There's information about uh, Dan Munt and the Silva family are having a, uh, an event next Saturday, the 17th at noon. In the Annex building, everybody's invited to come. They said, please uh, bring a dish to share. Operation Christmas Child's looking for donations still for, for uh, small toys during the month of February, and you can see the, the stuff on that. Peach's Pantry's in need of ramen and macaroni and things like that. You can also see that. At this time, um, I think I've got, trying to remember which video I have up first. I believe this is one. We're doing our faith promise. 
And um, last week we had, I think, 17 pledges for $14,600 for the first week. So that's really good. So today, yeah. So today I'm going to show a video from Boise. Greetings, Sierra yeah. Vista. Scott Lurwick from Boise Bible College, and I am now the acting president. And I just wanted to take a moment and to share a story with you. It's a great example of how your generous support makes a big difference in the world around us. Uh, Trent Adams uh, came to Boise Bible in 2019. He grew up the son of a missionary in Zimbabwe, and when he came, he was just satisfying his parents' desires. He had planned to go back after his freshman year to be a professional hunter and to live in the bush, but it was during that first year when he started to notice others around him, and his heart began to change. He began to see that the world needs Jesus, and then in the spring of 2020, COVID hit, and so his plans to return to Zimbabwe were changed, and unable to go home, he starts another year, and, and he begins to see people outside of himself a little more, specifically the international students in our community. So he starts volunteering at a ministry at Boise State University, and this continued for a few years. But it was during his senior year when Trent started praying and asking the Lord if he should continue in this ministry after graduation. Well, it wasn't long after that that the details began to fall into place, and he received housing, which was a big deal. And so just after graduation this past May, he began this team full-time building relationships with international students. Uh, he's been teaching them about Jesus over meals and at events. And can I just say, this is the kind of heart change and growth that regularly happens to students here at Boise Bible College as they gain both experience and education as we equip them for ministry. And hear me, we can only do this because of the generous support that we have from friends like you at First Christian in Sierra Vista. You've been a faithful partner for many years, and I am grateful for you. Boise is one of our Faith Promise missions, and so each month we send a fourth of our, what we bring in on Faith Promise directly to Boise, and we've been able to help them a lot, and we were very glad to be partnering with them. Now, I have one more video to show you. You'll like this, hopefully. Core verse number five, Leviticus 11, verse 45. Hey, that's kind of a big deal. We're now in the second book of the Bible, Leviticus 11, verse 45. It's two simple sentences. The first sentence is this, for I am the Lord, we're doing a lot of pointing, right? For I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. So Lord, God, Lord, God. What did he do? He brought you up out of Egypt. Why? To be your God. For I am the Lord. For I am the Lord, 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 who brought you up out of Egypt, 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 who brought you up out of Egypt. Say it until you can't hear it or think it in any other way. Who brought you up out of Egypt? For I am the Lord, who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. For I am the Lord, who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. That's sentence number one. What's the reference? Leviticus 11.45. 
Leviticus 11.45, For I am the Lord, who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Now, why is he telling you this? Here's sentence number two. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Again, this is my halo for holiness. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. You therefore, or sorry, you shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Got it? Let's put the two pieces together. For I, for I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt. Did you hear me stumble a little bit? That's perfectly natural. You get the second phrase down, the first phrase, you kind of have to review a little bit. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus 11, verse 45. Let's do it again. Leviticus 11, verse 45. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus 11, verse 45. There you go. That would be an easy word for one for you to work on today. On the back of your bulletin, we have prayer concerns and prayers of celebration. As I said, we, uh, the, the total is not $800. It's uh, $14,700. That was a typo. But we had 17 pledges so far. We also have our special concerns we've been praying for, praying for people that have health issues. Uh, Sean Sarters had his surgery and is doing, uh, doing well, last I heard. Brad Ricard is having some issues this morning, so we pray that he does okay. Um, we have troops that we're praying for. We also have our shut-ins that we've been lifting up to the Lord. This month, we're praying for the outreach of Peach's Pantry, and we are focusing in on all the missions that we support, particularly Boise Bible College this week, because they are our featured mission. So at this time, let's stand together. I'll give you a moment to lift your hearts to, to, to the Lord, and then I'll close us in prayer, and we'll have our closing song. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much that we could be together today, that we could celebrate the work that Boise does, but so we can celebrate the work that you do in our lives. Father, I pray that this week we live our lives understanding the call to be holy, and Lord, that we do everything we can through the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill that in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
Thank you for joining us for church this morning. Have a wonderful week in the Lord, everybody. And the sun came out. <laughs>